0: Hello, and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interonte, and today we are joined by Kelsey Brannan, the Director of Radio at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Director of the radio station WSUM. Thank you so much for joining us, Kelsey.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So I'm excited to talk about radio because it's actually come up a few times on recent episodes, and I just find it fascinating in like our contemporary cultural climate. You know, there's so many things that we interact with on demand, whether, you know, streaming music or film or YouTube or even, you know, stuff like TikTok is very, like, catered to us via algorithms. And radio is something where we get to, like, let someone else decide the content we're, <laughs> we're consuming, which... Was always the case, you know, until very recently anyway. But I'm curious just how you think about, as someone who has kind of worked in radio for most or all of your career, how you think about it in that context of, you know, the way we consume music.
1: Yeah, you made some really great points about how listening habits change, and especially in the face of on-demand media. And I, I feel like there's, you know, some sort of think piece will come out and be like, radio is dying, and this has happened about every five years since I've been working in radio, so much so that there was a think yeah. piece that came out about it in like 2013, 2014, when I was graduating college and all of my family sent it to me and said, do not pursue the career path that you're going down. <laughs> um, so I fundamentally believe that radio is not dying. Yes, we have all these other ways that we can consume media and that's great actually, but none of those things like streaming services or you know, even podcasts are able to be as local as radio can be. We're going to ignore you know, mm-hmm. iHeart and things like that for the purposes of this conversation, but um, most radio <laughs> stations are hyper-local and they lean into that. And I think that when deployed appropriately, radio is one of the strongest community-building tools that we have. I also think that it behooves those radio stations to to embrace the new technology that they could just as easily be threatened by. So if we're all doing our jobs well in radio, we're figuring out ways to also be on the streaming providers and we're finding ways to incorporate podcasts and we're expanding into new social media platforms and things like that. So I don't really think it's an either or I think it's a both and.
0: Right. Totally. Well, look, you know, this is a podcast about musical taste and so we don't have to go down this road too far, but just to push back against that, you know, maybe we shouldn't ignore the iHeart and Clear Channel uh, side of it. I mean, wh- how do you think that that kind of consolidation is affecting, you know, your side of the industry? You know,
1: certainly the more things join up and the bigger a conglomerate gets, the less local that content gets, which I almost put them in a different category then. It almost is more similar to almost satellite radio than it is like your local radio station that's playing right. the band that you live next door to or something like that. So I don't discount them. I think they play a really important role in not only the music industry, but culture as well. But I've always worked for radio stations that shy away from top 40 because that's already very well covered by those larger conglomerate sort of stations the side of the industry that I come from is more, you know, we're going to focus on the smaller, newer artists and, you know, they might leapfrog and become the next top 40 hit, but they usually start at college radio or non-commercial radio. Um, So there's a place for everybody.
0: Yeah. So, you know, maybe we'll circle back and end up at radio again, but I'm just curious to know more about you and your taste, you know, growing up, how did you get into music? What, what were the, songs or artists that made you fall in love with music and want to pursue this uh, as a career?
1: Yes. Literally, the reason that I work in radio is because of the Beatles and my students kind of roll their eyes at me because they're like, that's so cliche. I don't care if it's cliche or not. I mean, when you're a kid, you know how you become very obsessed with a certain movie or TV show and you just watch it over and over and over again. Mm. For me, that movie was A Hard Day's Night, which is like, the, have you seen that?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. My parents had gotten that movie as a Christmas gift as part of a VHS box set from my uncle. My parents don't really... like; They're not huge Beatles fans. I had no idea what this was, but I was like, that is a VHS and I want to watch what's on it. Yeah. And... Just like fell in love. Like, I had no idea who the Beatles were. I wasn't even able to conceptualize at five years old that this was happening decades before I was born. Like, why is it in black and white? What is the cultural significance of this band? All of that was lost on me. And yet, I watched it about 75 times between the ages Mm. of five and 10. (laughs) And as I got older, and you know, established more of my own taste and understood who the Beatles were and just like really opened up a whole new obsession. But I never left the experience of that movie thinking, oh, I need to be a musician. I want to be a rock star or I want to be one of those screaming fans or anything like that. Weirdly enough, like I left those movies being like, I want to be the manager of a band like that. Because in the movie, he plays like a pretty big role. I was like I, you know I played music growing up too but for me it was like I want to help other people make this really like beautiful work and put it out into the world of people who are going to be that excited to consume it and whatever I can do on the periphery to make that happen that's what I want to do and so you know in college I managed a band and I worked for venues and I booked shows and did promotion and music journalism worked in radio things like that and through doing all of that kind of found Radio was the thing that I wanted to do, but it was very much the Beatles that led me there.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's so, you know, people often have stories about like being introduced to their early favorites, either from their parents or older siblings. I mean, especially that's the case with The Beatles, and it's kind of interesting that you have like, yeah, my parents weren't really into it, I just kind of like did it on my own. It was actually the same for me. My parents were never big into The Beatles, and I got into them like through my other friends, you know. It was like something in early high school. But as you you know, went on and in high school and college, what were some other things that you really fell in love with musically?
1: Yeah, well, high school and college, I was really finding my own tastes and radio even shaped that as well. Um, Radio Milwaukee came on the air when I think I was in early high school. And that was a big, like, influence in my formative music years. And so, you know, looking back to that time, it's like, yeah, new music from the early aughts and like the 2010s. That holds a place in my heart that has a lot of nostalgia, I guess, now, which feels weird because it doesn't feel to me like that happened that long ago. But <laughs> um very much like there's a certain sound of like 2012 and like it's locked in my brain. I'm oh, like, yeah. yeah, I like that music. But when I go back to like, oh, I want to listen to something for comfort, like I can throw it on and not have to think about it and kind of escape from my day. I gravitate towards music that came out before I was born. So specifically like 1970s New York, anything coming out of CBGB, you know, Blondie, Talking Heads, Ramones, television. I love television, you know. Things like that, that's what I want to listen to when I'm burnt out at the end of the week and just want to feel like I'm at home. So that's what I gravitate
0: towards. Yeah. I'm also curious, you know, because now you you run WSUM, which is the college radio station at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and a lot of the programming is being handled by students. Do you find, like, are you exposing them to things? Are they exposing you to things? Is it this sort of, like, combination? Do you, like, keep up with a lot of young hip music through them?
1: Um, One would think. <laughs> one would think. <laughs> they they certainly don't learn a lot from me i don't think kind of cuz i i don't want it to feel like i'm stepping on any toes or like inserting any sort of like you need to listen to this cuz i like this but certainly i do learn a lot from them and about you know what our music director and we have different clubs at the station that kind of you know weigh it on new music that's added to the station i learn a lot about new music from them but i'm also you know quite a bit removed from it i'm used to being You know, on a programming team and deciding what music is going to be added to the rotation and hit the airwaves in the coming days and weeks and, you know, writing a lot about it, listening to new music. I mean, that was my job for the first eight years of my career was literally what is coming out, how is it going to sound on the air and how much are people going to care about it. And it's just so not part of my working life anymore. That is the student's job as it should be. So, you know, do I keep up with things? Yes. And almost always it's because my students introduce me to things. But yeah, I mean, a lot of times I am kind of digging back into like, what are my roots and where did my tastes develop and things like that, which sometimes is not totally new music. Yeah. But I still like going out to shows. I still like, you know making sure I go see the opener so that I'm seeing, you know, who who's hitting the road for the first or second time and, you know, how are they doing? So I really like discovering new music that way.
0: Cool. Okay, so, Kelsey, with all of that in mind, what is the song that makes you scream this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life?
1: Yes. So that song for me is Rosalita, Come Out Tonight by Bruce Springsteen. Rosalita! It's fantastic. It's uh, it's over seven minutes, and from start to finish, it's just a jolt of energy. You don't
0: feel it. It doesn't feel like this big, epic seven-minute... Like, I don't feel like I'm... Uh, it's It doesn't drag. Right. Certainly. Yes. You know?
1: I thought you meant that you don't feel the jolt of energy, and I was like, well, Scott, I oh, think oh. we need to listen to it again. <laughs> but yes, no, no, no it doesn't you feel know, like a drag. undeniably
0: a, a jolt of energy. <laughs>
1: Yes. I will say I was reading the lyrics in preparation for this recording, and I have never read the lyrics before. And sincerely, the first half of the song, I'm like, what is he even talking about? Like, it's kind of just like (laughs) nonsense for the first half. And then there's that long musical break. And then the second half of the song is like coherent and focused. And just he's off and running. I just think that's so funny, that differentiation between the first and the second part. And you don't feel it when you're listening to it. But you look at the lyrics, it's like, I don't these are like nonsense words. Like, what is he talking about?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is on his second album. Mm-hmm. Those early records just have kind of frenetic energy. Like you were saying like the lyrics even if you're not paying attention to them they almost feel like they don't make sense in a way that like has this sort of manic quality to it, right? Like mm-hmm. this kind of propulsion. There's so many words, right? So it's very like rhythmic. Um but how how did this come into your life? When did you get into either Bruce or this song?
1: Yeah. So my parents aren't very into the Beatles as we talked about, but my mom is the biggest Bruce Springsteen fan ever. Mm. I have worked around music fans of all caliber of, you know, all different fandoms for years and years and years. And I've never met anybody who's like, as big a fan of anyone as my mom is of Bruce Springsteen. So I know, right? She's built friendships around being a fan of Bruce Springsteen. She's seen him probably like a dozen times, has traveled to see him. I've seen Bruce Springsteen with my mom twice. We saw Springsteen on Broadway and we just recently saw him in Milwaukee, like two weeks ago, he was with the Eastery band. Very different experience. Both probably like in my top five concerts of all time. Right. We all have those like albums or playlists or something like that that we put on when we like need to get stuff done. And I remember growing up, and my parents would have parties or cookouts or like have family over or something like that. And my mom, of course, would like clean the house, get the food ready. My dad would be out in the yard getting the yard ready. Like we're all doing stuff, getting ready for people to come over. And she would put on Springsteen and it must've been a greatest hits record or something like a CD or something like that, because I very clearly remember Rosalita being on it, but it was also like Born to Run, Thunder Road, like things from different albums. But yeah, that is what I think of when I think about like growing up in the nineties and like, you know, being with family and things like that. I think about Springsteen. So that's my connection to it. And, you know, of course there are lots of songs that like i could have chosen but this is the one that even as i grew into having my own music tastes and like reevaluating like the music and the sounds that i grew up with um, this is the one that's still like any it comes on in any context i cannot sit still and i cannot stop it in the middle like i have to listen to it all the way through
0: <laughs> yeah that's funny my mom's cleaning music was either rod stewart any rod stewart or bad out of hell By Meatloaf. Uh, I don't know. That is such Uh,
1: a weird combo right there. Rod Stewart and Meatloaf?
0: (laughs) Love it. But but it's those things that when you're a kid, like you don't question it, right? right? Because you don't have a sort of frame of reference for it. So it made sense to me. I don't know. It's just (laughs) the music mom likes, right? But so what's interesting is like I have an appreciation for and respect for both of those artists, but like it never came back around to be like something that I would say, oh, one of those songs is my favorite song of all time. So what was your relationship like growing up, hearing this, having it almost be part of your like sonic wall? wallpaper. And then did you have to come back to it as an adult and say like, Oh yeah, this really still connects to me?
1: Yes. I think there was that sort of like full circle and like coming back to it as my own individual person, instead of like a child who's plopped into an environment where it's played a lot. I don't think that was like a concerted effort on my part. I think it just kind of happened, but Mm -hmm. similar to what I was talking about with the Beatles, I think it also has to do with like finding other eras of his because Springsteen is an artist where there are so many eras of his career, right? Like you mentioned, we're talking about early Bruce. Yeah. You know, you think about him in the 80s, but you also think about like some albums in the 90s that were weird and I don't like. And I wouldn't listen to like yeah. Ghost of Tom Joad over and over, but like I'm glad I've heard it once. I think it was specifically The Rising, which came out right after 9 11. And it's his response to that, especially being from Jersey. Come on. I think that probably would have been one of the first albums of his that I would have listened to, like, in the era that it was actually released. Yeah. And I love that album. So I think that was maybe kind of the full circle. And then anything since then, like, I've just kept up with the releases that have come out. I grew to have an appreciation for multiple eras of his career rather than just like the wild, the innocent, and the E Street Shuffle, which is that second record.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting.
1: What I love so much about this song in particular, there truly are so many that I could have chosen, but this one, it's early Bruce. It's the second album. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a national hit yet. And this song, I think more than most others, captures that sort of essence of like, all I have is a guitar and a dream, and I am going to make it. And like it goes from that sort of like working class everyman to, you know, the instrumental part of the song happens. And the second half is really like, we're going to do it. I got an advance from the record company. You know, my love interest needs to run away with me and like leave her family because I am going to like live on this dream of not only supporting myself, but like this relationship and my band. With this music and this dream that I have. And I think that's such an interesting distillation in this one, like seven and a half minute song, which, you know, by every convention is a really long song, but that's also like a huge narrative to fit into this little package. Right. And at that point, in his career, it still was kind of speculative. Like we didn't know he, he didn't know he was going to like be this big yeah. star, but man, did he have confidence. And I like hearing it
0: in this song. Yeah, totally. Well, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us and talking to us about this song and so many other things and in, in radio. If people want to find more about, your radio station or you or follow you online where should they go
1: you can find me on twitter at phony mixtape there is no e in phony and you can follow wsum at wsum
0: that's great thank you so much and uh, hopefully we'll talk more soon
1: excellent thank you so much
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of This Is The Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you heard, and I really hope that you do, please think about leaving a rating and review, make sure you're subscribed, and, you know, why not tell someone about it? A friend, a lover, even an enemy. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight song pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, etc. Special shout out to Skyler Spence, whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and to Catherine and Izzy for helping co produce the show. But the biggest thanks of all to you, the listener, for listening and supporting. Look forward to talking to you next time. Wait, I am I'm so I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I did not hit record.